What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast. As always, I'm Justin Michael. I'm your host, and it's a big week. We've got fall camp starting on Friday. We're really stoked to be able to poke over that. But we're going to start to preview fall camp on this pod. I'm going to go through some questions I have for the offense going into fall camp. We're also going to talk about the uh, latest news with the Pac-12 drama as far as conference realignment goes. We have, at least reportedly, a meteorites deal that is going to be put on the table for the Pac-12 members at some point in the next 24 to 48 hours. So we'll get into the details of that report, what CSU fans should keep an eye on, potential dominoes, all of that. In the intro here, I'm going to give out some preseason Mountain West bets that I think are solid, just good value for you guys. They're worth checking out. As always, with anything when it comes to betting, make sure you do your own research too, especially if you're actually going to put your money down. But I wouldn't recommend anything on here that I wouldn't take myself. And I'm just giving you guys a starting point for you guys to you know, take it from there. Um, real quick, before we get into everything, do want to let you guys know we're going to have Jay Norvell live in studio on Thursday the 10th. Jay will be doing his Denver media tour. He'll conclude live with me at the studio. It's going to be fun. 1045 DMVR Sports YouTube page. Again, that's Thursday the 10th. I'll share that link out a bunch of times. Um, I'll also upload the audio straight into your feed. So if you just want to listen with audio only as usual, no worries there. Having said that, I will have more video shows this season. Same deal. I mean, I'll always upload the audio into here, but I just want to let everybody know that those are coming. We'll have a once a week preview show, probably on Thursdays. I'll I'll make that official at some point. We'll have a post-game show from the stadium as well. Still ironing out some of the details, but it's going to be a big season for us here at DMVR Rams. Uh, Also, Friday, September 1st, I'll be doing a live show um, we'll be doing a meet and greet for CSU fans. If you want to come down to the DMVR bar, it's going to be a lot of fun. So just keep your eyes out. A lot of stuff happening. Again, going to be a really, really fun year. Uh, let's get into these preseason bets, though. These are all on Bet365. Use the code DNVR365 when you sign up on that app. It's one of the best out there. There's a couple that I like, but as far as the Mountain West goes, Let's start with the league winner, and my pick would be Boise State, who you can still get at plus money, so maybe worth sprinkling a little cash down there. Big blow to the Broncos' receiving core, though. Latrell Cables, who led the team in receptions, receiving yards, he tied for the team lead in total touchdowns last year. He's out for the year with a a foot injury, and while I do think that they have the depth to survive this, this will probably mean that Colorado transfer former Cherry Creek grad Chase Penry is going to get some more catches early on. That's a tough blow, and it's going to be interesting to see how Boise is able to adjust. They play a really challenging non-conference schedule. They open up at Washington, but they also play UCF. They play Memphis. I'm pretty high on Boise State's offense this year, but that's going to be tough for them, especially for a young quarterback in Taylor Green who's flashed big-time potential, but now you're losing your most dependable receiver. Again, there's still my preseason pick to win the conference. I think when it's all said and done, they're going to figure it out. But if we're talking about the best value, and there are a couple of teams here that I think are, are worth sprinkling, you, you could see a scenario in which Boise, you know, they sputter early on. Maybe they drop a, a conference game or, or two early. I think they play seven weeks in a row to start the year, and that seventh game is CSU homecoming. That could be tough. You never know. But let's say that Boise sputters a little bit and it ends up being somebody else that wins the Mountain West. 
a team that I like a lot more now than I did about a month ago is Air Force. And that's just because of the continuity they have in that offensive line. I still have some major questions about having to replace both Brad Roberts and Hazeek Daniels. We don't even know who their starting quarterback is going to be as of yet. But John Lee Eldridge III is going to be in the mix for all-conference recognition when it's all said and done, really talented running back. And frankly, when they return an offensive line the way that they do, it's kind of just plug and play with the skill positions. Defensively, they should still be really solid. Their front seven is really good. And on top of that, they have one of the best coaches in the conference, one of the more underrated coaches in the country, in my opinion. And the schedule is pretty favorable for them. They should have a solid chance to get off to a good start. Robert Morris, Sam Houston, Utah State, not exactly daunting. A game that I think is going to be really important for them, though, is week four. They go to San Jose State, who's probably really going to need to win that game because they play Oregon State and USC in the non-conference schedule. That's brutal. And then, you know, it could all come down to the season finale. Air Force at Boise State, November 24th. That's going to be a 2 p.m. game. Excited for that one. But at plus 400, I think Air Force would be my favorite value pick to win the conference. Another one that I think is good value is Wyoming at plus 1,200. Now, I will add that offensively, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical, and I think that they do have a ceiling. But their front seven is legit. I mean, they have five guys that are going to be in the conversation for all conference. And you know that team's going to run the football well. They're going to play tough under Craig Bull. He seems to hang well against Air Force, which is favorable for them, even though that's a road matchup. They get Fresno and CSU at home. They do have to go to Boise. I just think at plus 1,200 with the talent that they have defensively, they're going to be a tough beat for anybody. They're worth sprinkling, and just the schedule plays out a lot more favorably for them than it does for Boise, than it does for Fresno, certainly for San Jose State or CSU. And that's why I also like Wyoming over six and a half at plus 120. You know, their their non-con is not doing them any favors with Texas Tech, App State, both coming to Laramie. They also have to go to Austin. I just have a hard time seeing them go anything under seven and five, though, with the talent that they have defensively, unless they literally just can't score. Uh, also throw out San Diego State under six and a half at plus 120. I like the value there. Six and six might be a bit of a stretch, but I've talked about it a lot. I am kind of fading San Diego State and Utah State this year. I just don't think they're going to be very good. Uh, San Jose State over five and a half. Their schedule is really hard. I just think with what they have at QB, Lockhart back at receiver, they should be solid. You can get under five and a half for UNLV at plus 130. There's a lot of love for the Rebels, and I just, I'll believe it when I see it. That program for 40 years has been a doormat. It does seem like they've had an influx of talent, which is intriguing, but you're basically getting plus odds on UNLV not to make a bowl game, which historically, that's been a lock. So the value there is awesome. I uh, CSU over four and a half, minus 160, not a ton of juice there, but I just have a hard time seeing this team be worse than they were last year. I think five and seven is their floor, at least assuming the offensive line is even remotely competent. That's what we'll talk about here. Uh, coming up with some of these camp questions. But take on the sun with gear that's built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades and an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. 
So if you lose or break your pair, even day one, they're going to send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. You can shop the entire collection at the brand new location in the Park Meadows Mall, full stop shop for all things Shady Rays. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them free within 30 days. Again, no risk when you shop. Their team always has your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays giving out the best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use the code DNVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner of All City and DNVR. We love our Pins and Aces gear. Get tons of compliments on and off the course. They're a family-owned golf and apparel business based right here in Colorado. They make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, even an innovative beer sleeve, which allows you to store seven beers right in your bag. Keep it cold the entire round. Check out pinsandaces.com. Use the code DNVR to get 15% off your first order and free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. All right, like I said, we are going to get into some questions I have for the offense heading into the start of fall camp here. Did want to give a brief update on this realignment situation, though. According to Jason Shear of Wildcat Authority, the 247 site for the University of Arizona, a media deal is finally supposed to be put on the table for the remaining Pac-12 members. According to Shear, there is pessimism about what it's going to be. Uh, roughly around $20 million per school, which obviously that's about $10 million less than the Big 12, and also very heavily emphasis on streaming. Now, the streaming would be annoying, especially for the older fans, but I don't know if it's necessarily the end of the world, especially considering that the Pac-12 really didn't have much visibility with the Pac-12 network. I'm one of the few people that seems to get that one. Being on Apple or Amazon would probably be an upgrade in terms of the amount of people that would have access to your product. The problem, though, of course, is that figure, which if it really is $10 million less than what Big 12 schools are getting, it feels like a lock for Arizona to head out the door with their basketball program. They'd probably be the most natural fit in the Big 12 out of these remaining Pac-9 schools anyways. And from CSU's perspective, it probably better increases their odds of getting into this new pack, whatever, 12, 10, whatever it ends up being, who knows. But the question is just have too many dominoes fallen at that point. CU's gone, USC and UCLA are obviously going to be in the Big Ten. If Arizona then jumps to the Big 12 as well, are Utah and Arizona State going to follow them? It does seem like, at least from the, the stories I've read, that Utah is... Not so stoked on going to the the Big 12. They don't want to be in the same conference as BYU. They certainly don't want the perception to be that they followed BYU. So that's a factor that we have to consider. We also have to consider that BYU could get real petty and block Utah's uh, addition to the league too. And then with Arizona State, the other four-corner school, the the last of the, the group that everybody seems to be focusing on right now, Them and Oregon State are the two schools that have come out the most publicly in support of the Pac-12. And so I guess I just wonder if Arizona does go to the Big 12, is it really a guarantee that Arizona State and Utah are going to follow? Financially, you would kind of think so. I would guess that if you're the Big 12, you'd rather have Oregon and Washington anyways, assuming that the Big 10 doesn't swoop in and steal them. There have been reports that the Big 10 has been hesitant to be to basically give the final death blow to the Pac-12. They want the Big 12 to essentially be responsible for that, and then they could come in and and add some more of those West Coast schools. Who knows? But at least from CSU's perspective, the nice thing is that the majority of these scenarios end up at least marginally benefiting your program. Again, 
no matter how this ends up, it's not going to feel like getting in the Big 12 or getting in the Pac-12 10 years ago when those conferences no longer have Texas and Oklahoma and USC and UCLA, respectively. But if the Pac-12 can hang on to the remaining seven, eight, nine schools, seven or eight is probably the, the best hope at this point. And you can go in there with San Diego State, with SMU, who knows how many more on top of that if, if they even decide to go that route. That's still a better position than you're in right now. Those are still better schools to be associated with. You're still going to make more money than you're currently making. And even if it's not a power conference per se, or it doesn't have the same uh, luster on a national level, it's still a better spot than you're in. Same goes if the Pac-12 falls apart altogether and you add Oregon State, Washington State. I've been pretty open that I'm skeptical of Stanford and Cal being willing to be associated with some of these Mountain West schools. Who knows? But if you're able to absorb a couple of those those Pac-12 programs, you're a more competitive league. You have less competition on this half of the country in terms of spotlight. But again, it's still a better position that you're in right now. The only scenario in which it, it really is not an improvement for CSU and could end up really bad would be if eight or nine of the, the remaining Pac schools stick together. They do expand. They take a couple of schools from the Mountain West, and it's not CSU. Now, if only San Diego State goes, that's a bummer, but the Mountain West, they can survive that. But if you lose San Diego State and you know Boise State or UNLV or whoever it may be, that'd be a tough pill to swallow. That would hurt the league. But as I've said a million times, I just have a hard time in that scenario, seeing the Pac-12 punt on the Denver market, it's a top 20 market nationally. You stay in Northern Colorado, you're a, a logical travel partner for Utah, assuming they don't jump. So I just think in terms of if the goal is to try and keep the Pac-12 as close to what it was, then you add San Diego State, you get Southern Cali, you add CSU, you keep Denver, and then you expand into to Texas and with SMU. So we'll see what happens. Sounds like there's going to be a lot of really important meetings over the next day or two when it comes to the conference. We'll talk about it as we get more of that information. But uh, keep the faith, Ram fam. Keep the faith. We're going to preview fall camp. We're going to get into these questions. Do got to shout out FOCO real quick, a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. FOCO has the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. It's baseball season, perfect time to get an Aloha shirt, straw hat, polo, everything you need for a game. If you want to make your room look like our sets, FOCO has hooked us up with some awesome pieces. FOCO always has our back for Colorado sports. They're going to have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description for all non-presale items. Use the code DNVR for 10% off. Finally, y'all know that we love our Breck beers at DNVR, and that's because Breck Brew has a beer for any occasion. It makes any situation better. Watching football, better with a Breck Brew in hand. Hanging out with the crew, better with Breck Brews in hand. They've been doing it for 33 years, and it all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. I'm telling you, you're not going to find more perfect beer for summer than the Breck Mountain Beach Sour. So crisp, so sweet, but not too much of either. They just they hit that balance just right. And also, if you can't make it to the DMVR bar for the Women's World Cup watch parties, go watch them at the farmhouse in Littleton. The Breck Farmhouse is sick. Check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com. Find a brew near you. Cool, cool, cool. Let's get in camp mode. It's officially here. Football is on the mind. If you're like me, it's all you're thinking about right now. And I want us to start talking about this offense. So let's just get right into it. Starting with the O-line. I think that's the 
the biggest question with anything with this team. Jay Norvell said it's the whole key to their season. Can they make a major leap? Now, I'm not saying be a top 25 O-line in the country. Not even saying they need to be the best O-line in the league. That's very doubtful. But can you just give the quarterback a chance? Because they didn't have one last year. When you're giving up six sacks a game, when you're missing more run blocks than anybody in the country, it's really hard to do much of anything. And it's why the offense was painful. It was a painful watch last year. Outside of Jacob Gardner, who will be going back to center where he started last year before sliding over to left tackle out of necessity, it's probably going to be four new starters, all of which are transfers. Decent chance that at least three of them are former FCS guys, Drew Moss, Savion Henderson. Some of these guys made a really strong impression in the spring. I was super impressed with how they were able to to handle themselves against what's the strength of that that unit, the front seven, although the secondary should be really solid too. But, you know, if you can hang against those guys, Mo Kamara, Grady Kelly, those are some really stout defensive linemen, Cam Baratow. You should be able to hang against most teams in this league. Spring ball is not always a great representation of what the following fall is going to look like. However, the O-line kind of got worked in all the scrimmages in Jay Norvell's first spring. The fact that they were at least able to hang gives me reason for cautious optimism going into this fall. Also, the fact that they were able to add Bobby Lawrence from Missouri and Andrew Cannon from Nevada, a pair of 300-pounders with FBS experience. I just think the depth of the group is in a much better position overall. You know, moving forward these next couple of years, you hope that some of these young guys that they're recruiting are able to, you know, develop and, and all that, but it takes time. And they've had to plug some holes through the transfer portal these last two years. It did not work out last year. The hope is this year you get much better results, and it's too early to predict anything, but at least based on what we've seen from the spring, encouraging results. And I'm excited to see if they're able to keep that up throughout fall camp. Also curious to see who it ends up being starting. I feel like Drew Moss and Oliver Jervis really, really solidified their role. Savion Henderson at left tackle would be kind of a question mark for me. He he did hang well, but it wouldn't shock me maybe if you see Lawrence or Cannon play their way into that mix. All eyes certainly on the O-line though. Uh, another question I have Who's quarterback two? You know Clay Millen is the starter. Outside of injury, that's not going to be up for debate anytime soon. I mean, obviously, if he plays really poorly over the first couple of weeks, anything can happen. But who is QB two? We saw everybody play last year stylistically. You've got really different guys in Jackson Stratton and and Braden Fowler, Nicolosi, also walk-on Giles Pooler. All these guys have had moments in practice. They can all throw the ball. Um, none of them ran the, the offense as well as Clay Millen, which makes sense. But going into this second season, is anybody able to kind of take the reins as that backup QB? I will say it does seem significant that Stratton was QB two throughout a lot of the spring. He was also the guy who came in against New Mexico at the end of that game in the season finale. But the staff credits Pooler for how hard he works. He's a little bit more of a pocket QB, probably has the least mobility out of anybody in the group. And then there's Braden Fowler-Nicolosi, of course, who is more of a dual threat, brings um, more of that dynamic running ability to the table. They certainly needed it last year when they couldn't block, and his ability to, to improvise with his legs a little bit did make a difference in that win over Nevada. But really, it's all going to come down to consistency this month. Is anybody able to separate themselves by the way they handle themselves day to day, by the way they perform in the scrimmages? 
you know, it's never going to get the same attention as the starting role. But when you're that backup quarterback, it's a super important position on the team. You're one play away from having to come in and you better be prepared because otherwise you could be basically the reason that a team is not able to achieve its goals. Excited to see true freshman Jackson Brousseau as well out of Lehigh, Utah. He's a guy whose ceiling is really high. Honestly surprised that he did not garner more P5 interest, but that's great for CSU. Really a, a steal on our end. Question number three for the CSU offense. How quickly are the transfers at the skill positions able to find a rhythm? One of the big issues for the offense last year, and there were many obviously, is that once Melquan Stovall, Dante Wright, Ty McCullough all decided to dip within the first month, Clay didn't have any rapport, any chemistry with anybody outside of, of Torrey Horton, and those true freshmen got thrown into the fire. They came along as the season went, and I'm excited to see you know, how Justice Ross Simmons, Makai Fox, Lewis Brown, how they're able to build off what they've already shown. But now you've got Dylan Goffney, who came in from SMU at wide receiver. He should be a, a guy in the slot and across the middle that makes a big difference for this offense. Dallin Holker was here in the spring. I'm really excited about him. I think he's going to be an all-conference type to tight end. But now you've got Kobe Johnson, North Dakota State, running back. How quickly are these guys able to find their groove? Because if they're able to have a really solid fall camp and you go into week one, week two with great chemistry, great rapport amongst all your weapons, this CSU team is going to be really hard to stop. They've got way more options than they did last year. And while all the attention is on the transfer additions in Boulder and, and what Prime is doing and this and that, the Rams very quietly have added some guys that are very talented that are going to play major roles on both sides of the ball. And that's on top of 15 returning starters. So I just think that this roster is in a really good spot. Um, question number four, who is running back one, running back two week one? Obviously, Avery Morrow's legal situation. We'll have to see what happens there. Is he in the lineup week one? If not, is it Kobe Johnson? CSU submitted Kobe Johnson for the all-conference ballot um, in the preseason and not Morrow. That would you know, make me think that they assume Johnson is going to be the starter for the majority of the year. But if Morrow's a full participant in fall camp, then who knows? I guess we'll have to see what happens there. They added a couple of junior college guys as well. How does that running back stable hold out? Because I feel like they've got two, three guys that can be pretty productive and you feel a lot better about that group than you did in the spring when you had one active um, scholarship back and then even he went down. The focus naturally is always going to be on the passing offense and the air raid, but running the ball is a, a big element of what this staff likes to do. It's why they go out of the pistol and not out of the shotgun like a traditional air raid. That's an element that Mummy was able to incorporate from New Mexico State, actually, along with Nevada, which, you know, obviously kind of ran the, the pistol offense infamously for years. But being able to have that dependable ground game, especially in short yardage situations, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge for keeping drives alive, for third down efficiency, for the red zone, which, my God, if it's as bad as it's been these last two seasons, my eyes are going to bleed. So while it's easy to focus all on the vertical passing game, on the QBs, on the receivers, running backs, I think quietly, very important group for CSU's success this year. Finally, fifth question I have, and this isn't exactly offense, but it is in regards to putting points on the board. Is there going to be consistency at kicker? Because it was a horror show in the spring. They bring over Jordan Noyes from Utah, a guy who has some experience. He's older. Norvell said himself at media days that he expects CSU to be a competitive squad, that he expects to play a lot of tight games. Well, the last thing you want 
when you're playing a lot of tight games, there's a kicking game that you can't trust. I'll never forget that 2015 Rocky Mountain Showdown. CSU loses in overtime. They missed three field goals, I think. So how does the kicking game look? I think that's a major question, something I'm certainly interested to see this August. Anyways, that's all we have for tonight's pod. Um, Shout out to all you for continuing to support the content. We'll be back with more throughout the week. Much love, y'all. Peace. Khakis wearing graphic tees, feeling way too trendy. Raps that kill. Oh, I'm deadly. Primed and ready like machetes at a deli in New Delhi. Feeling scummy like Martin Scarelli. Turn jam into jelly, then drink it like juice. The water's the truth, so I sip on that too. Skinny looking kid with no car keys. Like the only thing I drive is RCRV. He's got the stash like Steve Harvey. Oh, I'm gnarly.